I, I had a very special dad. Uh, can I just say that every dad is flawed? M- my dad was no exception. I am no exception. But there's certain things about my dad that I really admire. My dad passed away, wow, I guess it was three-some years ago, and he left a legacy. Uh, I I come from a long line of Christian families. I am so privileged and blessed, and my dad wanted to keep that flame alive. And I saw that in my dad. He was a 12th grade English teacher. For some reason, he loved Shakespeare and Macbeth, and he he loved his students. He loved the people on his track team and cross-country team. There were, there were times in the spring, every spring actually, he would take his English students, because that's when they had to do their term paper, and he would take them to the University of Delaware. It's about 30 minutes away, and this is before vans were invented, I think, and so we had a huge station wagon, and we would pile nine people, in, he would pile nine people in that station wagon every Tuesday in the spring and take them to the University of Delaware for several hours, teaching them how to use the library to research their paper, and then to write it. Um, My dad loved students. There was a a year, I think it was my uh, sophomore year, in which the the teachers chose to go on strike. My dad just said, "Uh, I I can't do this. And he spoke with our family, and he said, guys, especially my brother Rob, who was a senior, and myself, who was a sophomore, and he said, guys, your dad is going to be crossing the picket line come this Monday. There's going to be a lot of other teachers there, and they will hate me for what I am doing. But I need to tell you that I believe I'm doing the right thing. I have reached out to all of the teachers. I have just in a single page explained why I'm choosing to cross cross the picket line. I've gotten a couple of them back with words I won't repeat, marked in red, um, but I'm making this choice. I'm going to cross the picket line, and whatever students come, I'm going to be teaching them. And I remember that day, there was an elementary school on the other side of Brandywine High School, and my mom dropped the three of us off, my dad, my brother Rob, who's about the size of Hulk, and myself. Uh, I was about half my brother's size. So we flanked my dad. I'm not sure how much good I did at 130 pounds, but my brother at 275, yeah, that, that was him. So he probably protected both of us. I don't know. The truth is, when we crossed, that pic- we crossed the highway, we crossed through the picket line, and they made it hard for my dad, but he eventually made it through with calls of savior you know, and, and curse words, and they, they hated my dad. Many of them did. It took, for some of them, it took a couple of years to mend those broken fences of relationships. But what I got from that was my dad was a man of principle. Whether the teachers agreed with his decision or not, my dad had a conviction. And as he read through the scriptures, he owned some of those passages and said, this is how I believe God wants me to walk it out. And my dad was a man of principle, and he stood for it, even when it cost him so much. The following year, teaching at Brandywine High School, when the strike was all done, was so hard for him. He lost so much, but he knew that one day he would have to stand before God and give an account, and he believed that that would have been the right decision that Jesus would have made. All of us have dads. Some of us have good dads, some of us not so good. 
you know, for, for some, maybe you grew up in a home in which your dad was an alcoholic and was abusive. And I'm so sorry about that. But what I would like you to do, regardless of the type of dad you had, could you just take a moment right now? And I want you to write down three things that you appreciate about your dad. Three things, if you could do that. Just three things that you appreciate about your dad. And, and can I also say, and this is about your, your, your physical dad, but can I just encourage you, you also have spiritual dads. And I'm going to encourage you, at the beginning of the message, I'm going to be talking to children, or because that includes me, I mean, before my dad passed on, but how many of you older, uh, say a, in, in your 20s or older, you still have your dad around? Raise your hand. You still have your dad around, and you're older than 20, okay? So um, that's going to be some of you online as well. But the truth is, uh, this isn't just for dads here. And, and I'm going to encourage you, some of you are spiritual dads. Some of you dads here, you're not just physical dads, you're spiritual dads. And so for you right now, as you're writing down three things, I also want to encourage you to consider three things about a spiritual dad in your life. That's a lot of homework right now, okay? But I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, okay? Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Today, I want to talk about men of honor. And, and yes, we honor those men, but dads, I'm going to be halfway through or, or less. I'm going to be changing gears here a bit, and I want to challenge us that we actually become men of honor. It says here in chapter 6, verse 1 of Ephesians, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That word honor means, in the Greek, it literally means to put a price on. It means to value, honor. It also means to esteem or reverence. So when you're thinking about honoring your father, and your mother, I want you to think about what it means then for you to place value on them. Even for those of us, and, and, and the truth is, my dad had a serious anger problem when I was growing up, probably until I came to Christ, because he surrendered his life to the Lord, even though he'd been a Christian, he just realized he had strayed from God. There was such a coldness in his heart. A year before I gave my heart to Christ in 1976 or 1975, he rededicated his life to the Lord. But up until then, my dad was just always so filled with anger, so filled with anger. And if you were to ask me, Mike, choose three things that you appreciate your, about your dad, it would have been hard. It would have been hard. And that year, though, God began a serious change in his life. But if I was pressed, I would still be able to list three things. And I want you to do this because for some of us, there may be hurt there. And this is one of the ways in which God encourages us to move past that hurt. Forgiving and then recognizing or placing some value 
on our dad, okay? Those three things. Romans 12.10 actually says, honor one another above yourselves. The Greek literally reads, prefer one another with honor. So give others preferential treatment. This, this concept of honor is preferring others over ourselves, but not, of course, to the neglect of ourselves. This is how we then are to treat our parents. Value spiritual dads as well, okay? So how can we, let me just give you a few things. And the things, I'm just going to read off, I think it's five or six things. These are things that my kids have done for me. My wife has kind of groomed them, of course, when they were little, and so now they take the initiative in this. But here's, here's some ideas. Make his favorite food. My children, and, and especially with Juliana and Shine in our home, Juliana comes to me every Father's Day, okay, Dad, what do you want for Father's Day? And I know that, number one, she's asking me about what gift. And I'm really hard and terrible at trying to figure out what I want. And I've got to sit down. It's like, I just don't think about those types of things. Well, like my wish list, if you were to randomly ask me any day, what's on your wish list? I would say, there's nothing on my wish list. I don't know. And so I have to sit down and have to think about it. But when it comes to food, I can rattle off those things that I like. And so that's the second thing that she's wanting to know. Okay, Dad, so what do you want on Father's Day? And I'll, yeah, and I'll rattle it off. So make his favorite food. How about watch his favorite movie with him? Unless, of course, it's, of course, it's Princess Bride, and you've seen that about 20 times. And, okay, maybe not. Jag, if you don't mind, choose another one. Talk with him about his favorite topic. Wow. And so since Sarah Joy is not able to uh, join us because she's, she's heading to England today, and it's just the way traveling, she didn't want it to work out this way, but it, it did. She's traveling today, and she's not going to get back until after my birthday. And so she came to me about a month or two ago, and she explained this to me, and she said, Dad, on that Saturday, so that would have been yesterday, I want to do something special for you. I want us to do something special together if we could, okay? So I want you to think of some ideas, and if this can work in your busy schedule, I would love to be able to do that. And she apologized for how her schedule worked. I said, sweetheart, don't worry about that. I, I want to be able to spend time. So we, we did some things and had a great time, but we ended up focusing on a topic that uh, I, I have grown to enjoy because I'm right now writing some stories, and that was her major. So we just started talking about writing and, and forming plots and developing characters, and it was like, it, it was so enjoyable to be able to talk with her, and she really does have a lot of wisdom in writing. And so we had a great time. So we talked about something that I really enjoyed. Write him a letter. Can, can I just say that I have gotten some letters over the past that I still have and they're tucked away in a folder, not just from my children, though, and cards and, and, and such, but from some of you that you have sent me. I want you to know that I keep those. Uh, they mean a lot to me. So write a letter, maybe, to your dad and expressing to him why you appreciate him, and to spiritual dads as well. Um, and then, and, and we did this last year, but around dinner... We just, my wife had us go around the table, and we said, guys, I want you to share one thing that you really appreciate about your dad. 
and it took way too long, way too long. But they went around the table, and they honored me that way, and it, and it really blessed my heart for them to be able to express what they appreciated about me. So those are just a few things that you can do today or this coming week to be able to express honor. If your dad lives far away, give him a call, but... Um, Dad, I want you to know I really honor you today, and I love you so much. Um, So, Dad, I want to ask you a question. As you're thinking about what I'm just sharing, maybe you're saying, come on, Pastor Mike, preach it. Honor me. That's right. And there's something inside of us dads, and it's the way we're wired, and it's men in general We desire people to respect us. What's really hard is when we are disrespected because that tends to rob us of value. And ladies, you're wired just a little bit differently than that. But the bottom line is, dads, we want our children and our wives to honor us. We we, we want this. We want others to honor us. But here's my challenge, and I'm just going to spend the rest of our time talking about this, and I'm going to give you five things. Men, how can you become men of honor? All right? How can we? And I'm going to challenge you. And and the things that I'm going to talk about, I have had to walk this road before in my life. How does Mike Curtis become or strive to become a man of honor. Men, dads, how do you do this? There's obviously a lot of things that I could cover. I'm just choosing five, just five. And I'm not going to share a whole lot about each one, but dads, if you can do this, can you write these down? Can you do that? Grab a piece of paper, maybe grab your cell phone, go to your notes, and just jot these five things down. I want you to remember them. And I want you when you get home, at some point during the day, I just want you to pray over these. Now, you might do that as I'm preaching this morning, but I want you, it's always helpful, go back over your notes. That's what I want you to do. Go back over these five things that I'm going to share with you, and just let the Spirit of God continue to minister to you. And, And not just today, Father's Day, but maybe throughout this week. Number one, I want you to turn to, well, you're already in Ephesians. The very next verse (coughs) of Ephesians chapter 6, after it says to the children, obey your parents in everything, honor your fathers and mothers, it then says in verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Now, children, that doesn't give you license to do whatever you want, And so when your dad clamps down, you say, Dad, you're exasperating me. I'm not giving you license to do that. As a matter of fact, it says in Colossians 3.21, and it gets a little bit more specific and kind of fleshes it out just a bit more. It says this, fathers, do not embitter your children. You see, when you use the word embitter, now we get this idea that it's not just something that happens one time, but it's something that can happen regularly. Dads? We don't want to embitter our children because Paul goes on and says, or they will become discouraged. Can I ask you this? Why does Paul ride dad's cases in this? Fathers. Why doesn't he say to them, hey, moms, don't embitter your children. He says, fathers, do not embitter your children. Now, I'm going to 
I'm going to give a guess here. And it's because I think Paul understands that men and women are wired differently, even in their DNA. And there is this, there tends to be this a little bit more aggressiveness in how men deal with life. They can tend to be a little bit blunt. They can tend to hit it head on. They can tend to anger a little bit more easily. And we're wired to be able to fix problems, jump in with both feet, and say, okay, there's a problem here, then we're going to fix it. Moms, they're a little bit more gracious when it comes to this. Now, I realize I'm generalizing, but they tend to be a little bit more gracious. They step into a problem. They weigh it a little bit more. Us dads, we're a little bit more like a bull in a china shop, but ladies, you just, you're, you're a little bit tuned in more than we are men to how to resolve a relational conflict. Okay? Again, this isn't always the case, but generally speaking, it is. And so Paul recognizes this, and he realizes, you know what, dads? Some of you have embittered your children. Don't do that. So I'm going to suggest to you, dads, number one, don't use anger as a weapon. Don't use anger as a weapon. And I'm not saying don't ever be angry, because sometimes we even see Jesus using anger, but he used it as a tool. And there were some, though they were rare, occasions in which he utilized it. Dads, it's just so easy for us to rationalize, I need to be angry right now. As a matter of fact, my children only respond to anger or yelling. So I have to do that. You've heard this story before, I believe. A farmer had a horse. He was going on a two-week vacation, but he wanted to be able to have some farmer, while he was gone, watch his horse for him. And as a result, he went to all of his neighboring farmer friends, and they were turning him down. Yeah, I'm just a little bit too busy. I'm sorry, John. Hey, John, sorry. Um, you know what? I, Things, it, it, it's planting season, and I, I'm kind of behind here, and excuse after excuse. And then he finally came to his closest friend, Joe, who lived way down the street, and he said, Joe, everybody's turning me down. What's up with this? And Joe looked at John, and he said, John, it's because none of us can yell as loud as you. What do you mean? He says, because you have such a loud voice, when you command your horse to do something, he obeys you. But there's no way that we'll be able to get your horse to do what we need him to do because we can't yell as loud as you. You see, dads, the real issue is that we have kind of picked up on anger and yelling, and we have trained our children to obey only when we yell loudly. You see? And so what we now have to do is we have to retrain our children. And many of them are grown, and I'm going to walk us through some steps there, but, you know, that's, what, that's where we need to start. How are we using our anger? Because many times we use it as a weapon. We actually can use our anger to hurt because we've been hurt, and we need to be careful about that. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not sin. The truth is, dads hurt people, tend to hurt people. And maybe what we really need to do is start with our own heart. 
And maybe there's some wounds here so that we get angry easily and we tend to use anger as a weapon. You see, maybe God needs to start here to bring about some healing here before we can help our children who maybe we've now embittered to be able to bring healing to their wounded heart. God needs to start here. Number two, can I just recommend that you wait until emotions have died down? All of us dads, we have sought to bring some correction, and before you know it, it turns into an argument or a yelling match, and you're wondering, how did this happen? Maybe you begin to realize every time I seek to bring correction, it escalates into an argument. Here's something I've discovered. Once anger comes into a discussion, it will quickly escalate, and it will turn into an argument. Because anger can hurt. Anger is an emotion that, is, that can lead a discussion, that can lead our words more than reason can. And I know, dads, we want to do the reasonable thing. I know that when we, when we read through Proverbs and all the wisdom there, we read through the rest of the word, yeah, this is what I should do. But when anger gets there, it just seems to be so much stronger and persuasive, pulling us to say things that we regret more than reason because we feel it and we don't necessarily feel reason we are creatures of emotion and if we're not careful we can learn to be led by those types of emotions especially anger so now some of you are realizing wow this isn't just a message for dads is it well, the rest of us, I hope you're taking notes too and you're kind of writing some things down because if you're a, a child, this is going to serve you well when you're a mom or a dad. Here's Proverbs 15.1. says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Do you want to de-escalate an argument? Start talking quietly. And, and though your ch- child who is younger than you By God's design, right? Probably less mature than you. Take the high road. Dads, take the high road. You be the one to initiate the gentle answer, the gentle talking. Because the gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. So dads, let's be big in this. Meaning that when our child starts getting defensive, because they don't like correction. Not too many children like correction. Not too many adults like correction. Guys, when was the last time you got corrected by your boss? How, did you walk up to him? Thank you so much, boss. I really appreciated you just reaming me out like that. It felt so good. I'll look forward to the next time. Not too many of us. We don't like correction. Well, children don't either. Even if we try to do it graciously, it can still be hard. They'll get defensive. They'll get angry. Just don't you. Because a harsh word from you, mom, dad, is going to stir up more anger. And before you know it, that discussion quickly escalates into an argument. And to de-escalate it, change your voice. Don't attack. Many times this is what I do. I say, you know what? This is going south really fast. Why don't we just, we're going to take a time out. How about if you just 
go to your room for about five minutes, and I'll go to my room for five, or, or we'll, we'll just, we'll not talk about this for five minutes. And then I'll come back in the room, and I'll just see how we're doing. And if you need more time, we can give you more time. We do need to talk about this. So I'm not saying it's off the table, but right now, I think we're just too angry. I know I'm angry, and I don't want to be angry. So let's just, take, let's just take a time out right now, five minutes or maybe a bit more, and do that. Because if you continue to let the anger control your words, you will embitter your child. James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Anger and hurt can actually keep us from listening. It can shut us down, putting us in the defense. You know, once your child is in the defense mode, you're going wah, 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 wah. They're not listening. They're hurt. They're trying to defend themselves. They're shutting you out. If anything, they're only going to get angrier. De-escalate. Talk quietly. Or just take a time out. But don't let the anger control anymore. Number three, humble yourself, dads, and ask for forgiveness when needed, which is most of the time, okay? Let's just be, on, let's just be honest. Humble yourself and ask for forgiveness when needed. Here's my question, dads. Is there something you have done to hurt or embitter your son? Or daughter. And if you don't know, and, and this is what I've done, just randomly, I will walk in, knock on their door, walk into their room as a child or a teenager, and I'll just ask, I'll, I'll try to engage in a conversation, and at some point I will ask them, Is there something that I have done that has hurt you? Now, I, I don't jump to that right away. I just, I want to, I want them to realize that I love them. I am their friend. I want to give them free license. I want to make that time safe for them. So I'll ask them, is there something that I have done that you can remember? That, oh, Dad, just stop right there. Sure, yeah. Yep, uh, just yesterday. Wow, oh, okay. Yeah, w what happened? And, and they'll walk me through it, and it's like, wow, I didn't see that. And dads, take the high road and just apologize. If you don't understand it completely, draw them out, but be quick to apologize. Be quick to say I'm sorry. Be humble. Be teachable. Listen to your wife when she says, Mike, I think that conversation that you just had with Jim, I think it hurt him. Nine times out of ten, my response that I want to give my wife is, no, no, he deserved that. He deserved, you know, I was firm with him. I needed to draw the line. He did something wrong. And, well, you know what? Maybe you could just talk with him. And she tries to be very gracious because she knows this principle. If I stir up Mike's anger, he's going to dig his heels in the ground more, okay? Because I'm human just like the rest of you dads. When we get anger, angry, man, we wear out our heels, don't we? And so 
I'm wanting to listen, so she helps me by being gentle and gracious and loving, but saying, hey, why don't don't you just go up to his room and just ask him? So I have to swallow my pride, and then I have to say, okay. (laughs) And And invariably, I'll sit down, and I'll realize I've hurt my son or my daughter Wow, I think I am like 80% right, and they're 80% wrong. And dads, if you're not careful, you can say, I'm not apologizing for that. Can I ask you why not? Why not own what you did? I don't care how small you think it, just own it and apologize it's amazing how an apology opens a heart. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus is giving a parable in response to Peter's question. How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? I mean, seven, that was like a magical number, okay? And there's some symbolic significance to the number seven in Hebrew culture. But Peter thought he was doing pretty good but seven times jesus and jesus kind of he just smiled at him and said peter no actually 70 times seven which doesn't mean 490 times if i did my math right it actually means all the time it doesn't matter and can i just say this it's not just when they come to you and apologize Because if you don't forgive someone because they don't come and apologize and you hold a grudge, this parable, the conclusion of the parable I'm going to read to you in a moment, will still apply to you. So whether they come and apologize or not, make it your job, your duty, your ambition to still forgive them. Now, I'm not saying that that means you call them or talk to them and say, hey, by the way, do you remember when you said such? I just need you to know I forgive you. Don't do that. Before the Lord, you forgive them. But if they come to you, let them know, hey, I just want you to know I've forgiven you, okay? So Jesus gives them this parable. And to cut to the chase, the servant that the king forgives so much debt to refuses to forgive a very small debt of a fellow servant. And the king finds out, and he has them come in, and he says, I forgave you all of this debt, and you can't forgive this little tiny debt of a fellow servant? And then this king, in the parable, he says, I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Verse 33, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In other words, canceling that debt, which is a picture of forgiveness in this parable. Forgiveness then means canceling someone's debt that they owe you. You owe me nothing. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so listen. The very next verse, he says, in anger... His master turned him over to, the Greek word here is tormentors. 
the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Wow. This parable is about forgiveness. Do you realize that when you choose to not forgive, you become tormented? There's a psychological torment that takes place. There is a spiritual torment that takes place. There is a mental torment that takes place. There can even be a relational torment that takes place, but the torment is there, and the only way to get rid of it is what? It's, it's to forgive until you've paid back your full... Cancel the debt. Be done with it. Dads, so when you go to your child, and you ask them, please forgive me, do you know what you have just done? You have just taken from them, should they forgive you, the torment that they've been going through. Many times that torment is what leads them to bitterness. Dads, don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. They'll be tormented. So by you humbling yourself, going to your child and say, help me understand, and then asking, can you please forgive me? You have just handed them the opportunity to be free from that torment. That's what you've just done. When my oldest brother, who's 10 years older than me, his name's Ken, some of you have heard his name before in some of my stories and such. But Ken was, as a teenager, he was rebellious. Um, I remember he snuck out one night and he borrowed the keys to our parents' VW Beetle. And he ran into a tree with it. He was like 16 or 17 years of age, ran right into a tree. <laughs> Luckily, the engine's in the back, okay, of those things, and they were able to get it fixed. But, wow, wrecked the car because he had stolen the keys. And these types of things, with my dad being an angry man, he, he just laid into my son, my, my oldest brother, rather. And he embittered my brother Ken. And in their relationship, and I'm sure my dad felt that he was justified in bringing punishment, but he was harsh in how he did it. And it wounded my brother Ken's heart. My brother Ken not only rebelled, but my brother Ken eventually turned away from the Lord. Completely. He embraced an Eastern religion. And to top all of this off, he married a woman who was filled with hurt from her alcoholic dad. And their hurt compounded each other's hurt. When their son turned 21, he had been freed from drugs and alcohol for three years. They were so proud of him. But when he turned 21, his so-called friends took him to a bar. I don't want to say they took him because he drove his car. They drove theirs, and they met up at the bar, and they got him drunk, and he tried to drive home at 65 miles an hour. He missed the turn, went straight, crashed into a tree, and his life was gone. 
my brother Ken's heart became so bitter. Bitterness on top of bitterness. And years and years, 10 years later, just beginning to get a handle on it, but he was caught up in Eastern mysticism. I, he wouldn't allow me to talk to him about the Lord. Didn't want to hear it. About 10 years ago, my dad realized this principle. And he needed to go to my brother Ken. And they talked. And my dad realized just how deep that rabbit hole went in my brother Ken's life. Just how deep the hurt went. The bitterness that had taken root. And my dad got a picture of a destroyed man. And he apologized profusely. Eight years later, so two years ago, through the influence of others and not just my dad, my brother Ken, at age 68, came to the realization that without Jesus, life was not worth it at all. And that he truly was the only way, truth, and life. And you know how he put it to my sister? Because they had a very personal conversation. He, my brother Ken said to my sister Jenny, I am turning back to the God of my parents. Wow. That's how he put it. To the Christianity that I grew up with, that I'd been running from. My dad helped unlock that wounded, broken heart in my, in my brother. And over some time, eight more years, through others praying for him and, and, and just sharing little things. I remember in, in that time, and this was just a little thing that God used. I preached a sermon, two sermons, one month apart that he was there for. Because that's when my dad passed away, and that's when my mom passed away. And he came up to me afterwards, and all he said with tears in his eyes was, Mike, thank you for sharing that with me. I just needed to hear it. And that's all he said. And it kind of took me back. Wow, cool. But can I just say that my sister had the most impact on him. They were two years apart. She's two years younger than him. But at age 68, my brother just said, you know what? I'm giving God everything now. And he started reading the word every day. He started praying every day, praying for his wife. And he is passionate about following Jesus now. That is the power of forgiveness. Men, Proverbs 18, 12. Humility comes before honor. Do you want to be honored? Do you want others to honor you, to value you, to respect you? Humility comes before that. Number four, give consistent affirmation, which is words, and affection, which is actions. Proverbs 18.21, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Dads, let's be life givers. 
Let's speak words that infuse hope and life, encouragement. You cannot tell your child enough, I am so proud of you. You, you can't. There was a rift that occurred a little while ago between my son and I. And what he really needed to hear from me above everything else was, Jim, I am so proud of you. There was other things that needed to take place, like an apology on my part. But he needed me to say to him, Jim, I am so proud of you. Dads, let's give words of affirmation, affection. You cannot hug your children. Just do it randomly. Sneak up behind them in the kitchen and just give them a bear hug. Say, I just want you to know how much I love you today. Okay? Hug them. Surprise them. Make it random. Don't just do it on their birthday. Here's a present-day proverb. People don't care how much you know. Help me out, church, until they know how much you care. You know that one. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the book of Proverbs. It's just a present-day proverb. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So be genuine. Don't, don't flatter. Be genuine. Find out something. Two things, three things. You're genuinely proud of them and let them know it. Maybe even write them a letter. Mm. Ephesians 4.29. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only. In Ephesians 4.29, underscore, highlight, circle, box in, make that word only stand out. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for ministering to their needs, only what is helpful for them according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So much that can be said on that verse. You've heard me preach on it before, so I'm not going to do any more than that. But no unwholesome talk. The words that come out of your mouth should always give life. Life. And then number five, be approachable. Be someone they want to come to to get advice. Dads, we are wired to be Mr. Fix-It, okay? We're wired to be Mr. Fix-It. What's, what's that, um, that movie, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, okay? And then there's, what's the, what's the guy who fixes everything? What is his name? Felix, okay? And he's Fix-It Felix, and he's got a little hammer, and that hammer fixes everything. Dads, hammers don't always fix everything. They really don't. Sometimes it's a gentle word. But be the type of, pers be the type of person your kids want to come to, which means, dads, that means taking off that Mr. Fix-It hat because what you're wanting to do is do they believe you have a heart for them. If they don't believe that you have a heart for them, they're not going to come to us. They're not. I had to communicate with my children, and I constantly have to do this, that my heart is for them. 
Because if they don't believe that your heart's for them, any advice you give them is just because that's what you were told or that's just something that sounds good, but it's not applicable to me because if they're not convinced that you have a heart for them, then no advice you give will demonstrate that heart. Okay? Show them that you have a heart for them. Do they admire and value you? So we need to become or move in that direction of becoming men of honor. And then lastly, are you safe? And, and here's what I mean by that. I'm going to just lay out a few things here. Number one, when they come to you, just listen to them. Even if they're a child, if they come to you and say, hey, dad, can I talk to you about something? Oh, my goodness. Dads, take off the Mr. Fix-It hat and just listen to them. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Actually, in that situation, do everything you can not to get angry. So, Dad, I tried flushing the cat down the toilet. Don't get angry, Dad. Because I tried doing that, and I never told my dad. My dad had to discover himself. Not about the cat. <laughs> but I was just this curious little kid. Oh, if I did this, what would the consequences be? And so I just took a little hatchet, and I went around my bedroom. Chop, 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 chop. I just thought, wow, this is just so chop, chop, chop. This is so cool. Well, my dad's found it. Michael... What happened to this bunk post? It's a four by four, and I built this all by myself, and it's got these little chips. Do you know anything about it? <sighs> yes. <laughs> I did it. Mike, why did you do it? I don't know. That was my favorite answer to everything. I don't know. I just did it. It was terrible. I was so... What, what, would, what would happen if yeah, my dad was not real approachable about that? I could approach my mom. Mom, I don't know why I did this, but I took the hatchet. And she would eventually say, well, you're going to have to go tell your dad. So I probably would not go to my mom either because she would make me go to my dad now. But listen. Don't interrupt to give advice. Just listen. Don't try to say, you know, wow, really? If I were you, I, mm -mm. zip it, just listen. Number two, seek to understand. And where you can affirm their emotions, which a lot of times is hurt, and that's why they're coming to you. Not necessarily this is your fault, but they've been hurt maybe by a friend and dead what would you do? And they might ask that question, or they might just, they just might want to tell you their story. And, and they're not looking for advice. And husbands, what I'm telling, dads, what I'm telling you right now is really good to practice as a husband, too. Because sometimes your wife doesn't want you to fix their problem. They just want you to listen. So we'll do that, right? So we seek to understand. Active listening means we ask questions. That communicates your listening because you're wanting to understand. And then affirm their emotions where you can. Number three, withhold correction and judgment. 
as, as much as you can, just listen and don't say, wow, why did you do that? Or, you know what? Sounds to me as if uh, maybe you overstepped the bounds there with your friend and you shouldn't have said that. Just listen to them. And then lastly, ask them. If you want to give some advice, ask them if you can. But do it in a way that doesn't put them in a corner so that they're like the worst daughter or son ever if they say no. If they say no, you're totally cool with it, okay? Except, of course, if you killed someone and you buried the body somewhere, they're going to probably want to know where it is, right? Okay, I'm just joking. The truth is, <laughs> that's an extreme, right? The truth is, we just want to listen, and we want to be able to help encourage them. Because sometimes all they're looking for is being a sound, you being a sounding board. Again, James 1.19, be quick to listen. Now, the scripture does command that children obey their parents and honor dads. Men, how about if we take it upon ourselves to become that dad who is worthy of his child's honor, value, and respect? Amen. Amen. Can you stand with me? Dads, I want to pray for you. I'm in the same boat with you. I have embittered my children at times, and, and sometimes I just have not known it for years. We need to be equipped, dads, to become that man of honor, and it is never easy. Not that I'm aware of. I just want to pray for you right now. Father, I just thank you for these men who are here today, the, these dads who have in so many ways made sacrifices. But like so many of us, including myself, we've also made mistakes. And there are times in which we have exasperated or embittered our children. And I just ask you, Father, help us now as we are seeking to become men of honor who are worthy of our children placing value upon us and respecting us and honoring us. That's the man that we want to become. And I thank you, Father, for the, the dads here who have set such a good example for me. And I just pray for every single one of us now and all of those who are here who are going to become dads one day. Empower them, God, with your spirit and with your love and with your grace to constantly, constantly, Become that man worthy of value, honor, and respect. And may we daily practice it with our wives. But Lord, would, would you help us? We need your grace. Mm, so much we need your grace. Again, thank you for such men as we have in our church today. We love you so much, God. And I just pray for the rest of us. Show us, Lord, what we can do to honor our dads today so that they truly sense that value we're placing on them, that we love them so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.